the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning and Happy New Year. It's good to see you all. Maybe, like me, you have found your prayers lately to be a lot like your prayers from a year ago. I remember getting to the end of 2020 and praying that 2021 would feel and be a lot different than 2020. And yet we find ourselves a year later going into another year of the pandemic at a time when a lot of the numbers are actually worse than they were a year ago. We find ourselves crying out to God And I know that for many of us, 2021 was a difficult, a challenging year, and we continue to grieve with those who suffered losses of many kinds in this past year. And as we gather in this new year, we also praise God because he is a good and faithful God. He's a God who loves us enough actually to come and be with us. And that's what we celebrate in this season of Christmas, that God himself would put on our human flesh and come and dwell among us as Emmanuel. This morning, as we begin to live into this new year, as Christmas Day begins to recede a bit into the background, we're going to take a look at at what happened after that first Christmas, that day when Christ was born. Out of the four Gospels, Matthew's Gospel is the only one that tells us the story of mysterious visitors who came to visit Jesus from the east. Now, Matthew wrote his gospel primarily for a Jewish audience. So I think it's interesting and fitting that as he writes to his fellow Jews, he would be the one to point out that very early on, after the birth of Christ, people outside the Jewish community would be deeply impacted and moved by this earth shattering event of the birth of Christ, the Jewish Messiah. So let me read this account from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That was a prophecy from Old Testament prophet Micah. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, 
and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. During this season of Advent and Christmas, we've been looking at exploring the gospel stories of just how earth-shattering the arrival of Christ really is. Christ, this promised Messiah who burst into a sin-shattered world and provided the only remedy for brokenness, for a broken creation and a broken relationship between God and the people he created. How God sent Jesus with a might and power that the world didn't really know what to make of. This one who came as a prince of peace to a time and place marked by enforced and compromised peacefulness and a time of oppression for the Jewish people. And here we see in Matthew that somewhere far to the east of Bethlehem, non-Jewish astrologers, these magi or wise men as they're sometimes called, were actually among the very first to recognize that this Jesus who had been born was a king, was the long-awaited king of the Jews. One night, these magi received an earth-shattering revelation somehow discerning from a sign in the heavens, from a star, that a prophecy had been fulfilled and a long-awaited king had been born. Now, there's actually a lot that we don't know about these magi, so I think over the years we've kind of filled in some details ourselves. But church historian Sandra Silver writes about what we do and don't know. She writes, the word magi comes from the Greek magos, meaning one of a learned and priestly class. The Persian word used to describe these men in their own society was magush, meaning magician. In the ancient Middle Eastern world, these magi were trusted advisors to kings, learned men proficient in the knowledge of mathematical calculations, astronomy, medicine, astrology, alchemy, dream interpretation, and history, as well as practitioners of magical and paranormal arts. The Magi in the Bible, we're told, came from the East. The East at that time meant Medea, Persia, Assyria, and Babylonia, countries now encompassed by Iran and Iraq. There were not necessarily three wise men, because the Bible does not tell us how many Magi came to Palestine. The Magi were not kings. They did not arrive at the manger scene and we do not know their names, end of quote. So in other words, if everything we know about these magi we learned from the Christmas carol, We Three Kings, uh, we're probably a bit off, and our information is rather limited. Now, later in the service, we're gonna, see, we're gonna sing We Three Kings, so I'm not trying to slam that carol, because these magi actually really matter. They matter in the story of the coming of Christ. That's why there's a carol that was written about them. That's why we're going to sing it today. These magi matter. That's why there are over 80 murals on the walls of the Roman catacombs, pictures drawn by the early persecuted Christian church depicting this scene of magi arriving with gifts to Jesus. Now, if we were to run into these magi in a dark alley, we'd probably be pretty creeped out. 
We think about people who are likely to respond with heartfelt worship to God. And as you heard me read, these are astrologers and magicians, people we'd probably consider pagans. And yet they were the ones to appear. They were the ones who were truly wise enough to allow their lives to be interrupted, to drop everything, and to go seek this king that they might worship him. Now, we don't know how they somehow linked this star in the sky to the birth of a king, because Matthew doesn't focus on that in his story. Matthew focuses instead on their worship. And in order to worship this newborn king of the Jews, the Magi had to travel and travel a long way. And when they arrived in Palestine, they shattered the fragile and limited peace that King Herod at that time had been overseeing. Two weeks ago, Pastor Diane gave us a very helpful Herod history lesson as part of her sermon to try to give us some insight into this rather enigmatic figure in Scripture. We learned that Herod had done some positive things for the Jewish people, among them the rebuilding of their temple, their center of worship, building it even more grander, even more grandly than the time of Solomon. Herod had done some positive things, but he had also had a heavy thumb. He had imposed a kind of compromised peace that sought to appease both his Roman overseers and the people he was charged with leading. And so when the Magi showed up in his throne room and asked about this one who had been born king of the Jews, Herod was very understandably disturbed. He was concerned. He didn't like this threat to his power, his sense of control. And in those days, if Herod wasn't happy, nobody was happy. So Matthew says that all Jerusalem was likewise disturbed. But if Herod's feathers were ruffled with this coming of the message of the Magi, he didn't seem to let on. Instead, he quietly dismissed them and then gathered together the Jewish religious scholars who he assumed would know where this king of the Jews was going to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then we're told that Herod called the Magi back together, disclosed to them this location, and found out from them when exactly the star had appeared. As soon as you find him, report to me, he said, so that I too may go and worship him. And so Herod passes himself off as an ally to the Magi and one who, like them, is interested in finding out, where's the king? How can I go and worship him as well? And so just as the shepherds had earlier gone into Bethlehem because of the message they had received from the angels, now these Magi travel to Bethlehem based on the news they've been given by Herod. Bethlehem is becoming a focal point of attention, first for the shepherds, now for the magi, and as we'll soon see, for Herod himself, as he keeps a keen eye on this little village. On Christmas Eve, we looked again at the story of the shepherds, how while they were minding their own business, watching their flocks in the fields, angels appeared, and they received a message from heaven that the Messiah had been born, born just down the hill in the little village of Bethlehem. 
And if they searched, they would find a baby, a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And this would be the Messiah himself. And Luke tells us that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so then the Magi, too, made their way to Bethlehem, most likely a year or two after the time of the shepherds, as we'll soon discover. And Matthew writes that after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so we see that for the shepherds and then for the magi, this birth of Jesus is an earth-shattering revelation. But we also see in this story that not everyone is happy about this news because we also encounter King Herod. Herod, who saw this birth as a threat to his kingdom, who wanted the Magi to come back, but were told that having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, these wise men returned to their country a different way. And Matthew goes on, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Now here, tragically, in this, this act, this edict that goes out from Herod, we see just how deeply entrenched Herod's grasp on power is, the lengths he'll go to to maintain control. And we see him reaching out with paranoia and brutality. He found out from the Magi when the star had appeared. Now, there are some Bible commentators who assume that Herod was the kind of guy who, in his desperation, would round up for good measure. So maybe the Magi actually gave, them, gave him a figure of, oh, we saw the star 12 months ago or 18 months ago. But it certainly hadn't been more than two years because that's the number that Herod uses when he sends out this command that all the boys in the vicinity of Bethlehem, under age two, should be killed. Now we read further in Matthew 2 that Joseph was warned in a dream, warned by God to take his family, to flee to Egypt, and to stay there until they heard news that it was safe for them to return to Israel. And so Jesus survived Herod's evil plan. So in these stories centered on Bethlehem, we find three different kinds of responses to the news of the birth of a king, a messiah, a savior. We see these shepherds whose response is to hurry down and see for themselves this thing that they had been told was happening in the village down at the bottom of the hill. And the shepherds respond with joy, joy that bursts out and prays to God. They're awestruck by the fact that they, as lowly shepherds, would actually be the first ones to get this news and to be able to go and see the Messiah for themselves. And they told anybody who would listen what they had been told about this child. And so without any training, 
these shepherds become the first human evangelists, second only to the angels, to share the good news about the birth of Jesus. The Magi also responded to what they were seeing and experiencing. Matthew says when they saw the star stop over the place where Jesus was, they were overjoyed. Some translations say they rejoiced with great joy, or they were filled with exceedingly great joy. In other words, they were really joyful. It was overflowing. It was bubbling out of them. And when they saw Jesus with their own eyes, they bowed in worship and offered costly gifts they had carried from their homeland. Now, it might not seem like gold and incense and myrrh, which is a a kind of spice, those might not seem like great gifts to give to this newborn, uh, this family of a newborn. Maybe diapers or toys would be more helpful. But Matthew makes it clear that this is not a baby shower. This is a worship service. And so it's fitting that these, these wise men from the east would come and give their very best to open up costly treasures and lay them before Jesus. Some Bible scholars suggest that it was these valuable gifts, actually, that the family used to fund their escape into Egypt and to pay for their expenses while they were there. It's possible Joseph was not able to find work during their time in exile. These non-Jewish magi, these people outside the community of Israel, were apparently among the first people to worship Jesus. And so it's this reason that the church has historically called this season the season of epiphany. Epiphany meaning uh, an awakening or things coming to light. It's an aha moment because light is shining beyond the nation of Israel, reaching out to Jews and non-Jews alike. And that's the good news we celebrate in this season. The Magi were proof that the angel's word was good. They told the shepherds, this is going to be good news, not just for you, but good news that will cause great joy for all people. And then along with the shepherds and the Magi, we see that Herod also had a response to the news of the birth of this baby. And his response was a mix of fear and anger, and brutality. As soon as Herod heard of this threat to his power, he was deeply disturbed. And in his anger and in his panic, he sent out this brutal command for innocent children to be swept up in violence and to be killed. He ordered the death of anyone who might be this presumed threat to his throne. Now, in a village as small as Bethlehem, This was probably not a really large number, but that doesn't make this act any less brutal or horrific. And this morning, as we come away from Christmas, as we hear ringing in our ears again this story that Christ is born, the truth that Christ is born, we recognize that we also have a response. Whether it's an intentional response or not, we are somehow in some way, responding to this story of the birth of Christ. Now, it's hard to imagine that any of us would respond in a way that even remotely resembles the response of Herod, to lash out, to be brutal, to be be murderous. 
But I wonder how close is our response to the, to the response of the shepherds or the response of the magi, especially with everything that we've been through in this past year. Do we respond with hearts that are filled with exceedingly great joy? Or do we discover this year that our joy is actually a bit muted? Do we respond in these times of loss and uncertainty, even in times of honest unhappiness and grief? Do we respond with joy that Christ has been born? And do we tell other people about this gift, about this news, just like the shepherds did? Do we respond like the magi and offer up freely and generously the best we have in worship to God? Or do we get caught up in all the things that are going on in our lives or in the world around us? Things that can distract us from praising God every day, worshiping worshiping Him with our brothers and sisters, and giving God our very best. I always think of a new year as, as an opportunity to do something new. It's kind of a, a fresh start. And so I've been trying to learn over this past week or so how I might take a lesson from the shepherds and the magi, how I might actually choose to, to live differently in 2022, to look back in 2021 and say, I want to make some changes. And I can learn some lessons from these these shepherds, these outcasts, from these magi, even from these, these pagans who came and worshipped Christ. The earth-shattering news of the birth of a Savior continues to reverberate over 2,000 years later. And it's news that can continue to shape our lives, even our daily decisions, if we take time to allow it to. And so my prayer for us is that in 2022, we would be people who say, well, I would do this, but because Christ is born, here's what I'm doing instead. I would have done this, or I would naturally do that, but because that news is true, that Christ is born, I'm going to live differently. And as we make that choice, as easy or as difficult it is, we will find the Spirit of Christ himself guiding us, encouraging us, empowering us, and uniting us to Christ as we gather as the church, as we gather at the table, uniting us to Christ, to one another, and to the mission he's given us. Christ is born, and that makes all the difference. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, Messiah, King, would you teach us to be like the shepherds and the magi? May our very lives be offerings of praise and worship and sacrifice to you. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth to demonstrate the love of God by putting on our flesh and pouring out your life. Thank you that we are united through faith to you and to one another. Guide us by your spirit, Jesus, and keep us faithful in this new year. Amen.